Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. La, da, da, da. Hey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Penny's Politics. I am your host, Penny Sakura. Today is November 14th, 2017. Boy, there are sexual predators on the loose. My Puerto Rican brethren are making their way to Florida to get away from, well, the land that apparently America... joinzipcar.com forward slash IU radio network. Did you know that Zipcar is the world's largest car sharing network providing wheels when you want them in over 500 cities and towns, 500 colleges, and at 500 airports. Again, today's show is brought to you by Zipcar.com. Earn your $25 free driving credits at www.joinzipcar.com forward slash IU radio network. So there is a lot going on across the country, and, well, I'm here to talk about some of the things going on across this good country of ours, the greatest nation ever. Listen, if you want to join the conversation, you can join in on the Facebook conversation. This, this past weekend has been one of those really interesting weekends to me. A lot of, a lot of observations uh, that I've – a lot of observations over this past weekend. And one of the things that I observed uh, – well, first of all, Tiffany Haddish, by the way, hosted SNL for the first time. and Or I'm sorry, yeah, for the first time. And it was the first time in the history of the show that SNL – has had a black female comedian. A black female comedian. 
The first time. The first time. SNL's been on the air, what, since what? 1975? Three years before I was born? So that makes SNL, what, 40, 42? 42 years. In 42 years, SNL's never had a black comedian uh, host the show. And, and, I, and I was flabbergasted when I, when I heard that. I'm like, Whoopi Goldberg has never hosted. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of there's a ton of comedians, but Whoopi is like, you know, if there were a Hall of Fame, Whoopi would be a Hall of Famer. He'd be a Hall of Fame for black comedians, you know. And I would, I'm like, Whoopi has never hosted Saturday Night Live. Like, wow. I was flabbergasted when I heard that in, in all the 40-plus years of SNL, they've never had a black comedian hosting. But even Tiffany Haddish hosted, she was funny. She was funny. And you know what else? And 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 I hate to be a typical male here. Tip, Tiffany Haddish is fine. My goodness, that's a beautiful woman. Um, but, yeah, she's funny. But I just, she's very beautiful. But she is also very funny. Uh, great show, uh, nevertheless. But, yeah, in all the years, they've never had a a black uh, black. Uh, female stand-up comedian. I just thought that that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, but SNL has had issues with black, black cast, black female cast members anyway. I think they currently have two, two regular black females um, black, that are on the show. Um, in fact, they recognize that they have, and they still have probably, they only have two. And they, they recognize they have a problem. There was a, a time, I think Kerry Washington was the, the host of the show once, and they did this skit in which um, they had all these different black female characters in the skit, and Kerry Washington had to play them all. <laughs> they were kind of making fun of the fact that they don't have many black females on the show. And so I'm not surprised that this show struggles, or rather, I'm not surprised this show has not had a black female uh comedian hosted in all these years considering that they've struggled to have black women on the show period uh, which is crazy which is crazy i would think that saturday night live and it's and it's you know would be a, more of a progressive type show you would think that they would not have that struggle but it's one of those things i, I don't have an answer for it i just that's just one of my many observations uh another observation uh over this past weekend is my Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, my fellow Americans, and the struggles that they're dealing with. I'm perturbed by the fact that we're withdrawing, you know, the guard from the, you know, the army from, from the island. I'm perturbed by that, considering I think that we occupied New Orleans for a year after Katrina. I'm perturbed by the fact that the early estimates are Christmas before they're at 90% power. Christmas. I'm perturbed by the fact that many of them are coming to America and not finding what I would call comfortable accommodations. And yeah, I'm perturbed by that. Not just shelter, but work. I talked to a uh, 
a young man the other night. He's young. He's, he's, he's 35. This guy was a physician in Puerto Rico, and he's also a part-time college professor. Educated. And he's struggling to find work. And I was listening to him talk about his search, his job search. And he talked about how he was viewed. He said, it's, he said, one thing is I'm young. So obviously, you know, that's, that's a struggle. But he said, it's, he said, plus I'm Puerto Rican. And I thought about that for a second. And I'm like, my goodness, that's crazy. Because we recognize that education is supposed to be the great equalizer, right? But in America, or in the contiguous 48 states, or the lower 48 as, as it's also called, if you have a if you have a Hispanic accent, you're side-eyed. There was another young man that I that I that I talked to. They also play basketball with. And I love these brothers. They're good, good guys. And another brother, he's he's bilingual and he's an electrician. He's from Panama. But that his that accent gets him the side-eye. This guy's an, a, a bilingual electrician struggling to find work in Orlando of all places. Because that accent, they don't give you the benefit of the doubt. And this guy has a ton of credentials. College degrees and a ton of credentials, certifications in his field. And he has a small, he has a small, um, he owns a small uh, contracting group. Group of about eight to ten employees, small group. And so obviously he's trying to find work and competing with some of these larger firms has been difficult for him, obviously. And, and again, that, that accent, <laughs> that accent puts up many barriers. In a country in which, remember, education is a great equalizer. Here is, I recognize that in, in being in politics and, you know, and lobbying and, and working with you know politicians. There there are many funny stories, not so funny stories that I've had to deal with. And I remember uh, I was called to testify uh, about a transportation issue. And I remember after the the testimony, the guy was like, "Wow, you know your stuff." See, I was surprised, and I just kind of looked at him. I didn't even go into why were you surprised. Maybe he was surprised because I was smarter than he thought. Maybe he was surprised the young black brother knew all of this information. I don't know, but that comment did perturb me. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. But th these observations have really sent me into deep thought about America, and of course, it, it draws me to the same conclusion about partisan politics that I've always had. They are, the, they are the great divider. But more so than that, it reminds me that we still have a long way to go in America. A long way to go in America. Because I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I've, I've witnessed people treat 
my Hispanic brothers a certain way. Now, I make no assumptions about them. Yes, I do. They're all positive, though. Not going to lie. I, I stereotype the hell out of my Hispanic brothers. But they're all positive stereotypes. One stereotype I give them is that these guys are not lazy at all. Another stereotype is that if I'm competing with them, oh, my God, I got to bust my hump because they are going to grind. Although I feel the same way about my Jamaican brothers as well. Another positive stereotype that I stereotype, yes, Hispanic brothers, is that they love, love their kids. Do I believe everybody else loves their kids too? Yeah, but I, for just for some reason, for the, just in its media and its imagery, and I have been conditioned to believe that somehow they love their kids just a little bit more. That's that's a stereotype that I have. It's, it may not be, you know, a a wide, widely accepted or, or you know adopted stereotype of, of my Hispanic brethren, but that's just one that I have that they love love. It's just something about them and their children is like they. It's just a whole nother level of love. These guys, in my stereotypical mind, love their kids. But I've witnessed the way that they're treated because of the accent. They're not all Mexicans. In fact, none of the Hispanic brothers that I know are Mexican. Most of them are, are Puerto Rican. They're all Americans. And they're all Christians as well. Most of them are Christians. And yeah, that... that that has a that sets them in a certain category for me. I should it shouldn't, because I love everybody equally. But I give I just have a slightly higher love for Christians. I got to work on that. But another observation on the line of Christianity that I've observed over this weekend is that non-American non-American Christians, first of all, have a greater knowledge. An understanding of the word than than most Americans that I know, generally speaking, and have a more intimate knowledge and relationship. At least these are my observations. I observed over the weekend a few Christians, uh, Jamaican Christians, a few uh, Puerto Rican Christians, the the, the Panamanian Christian. Um, uh, a couple of Christians from Botswana, um, a couple of Kenyan Christians, and their 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 intimate relationship with the word is just deeper. Certainly, they don't adapt what I call the Americanized version of Christianity in this prosperity gospel. None of them have adapted unto that. Their principled Christian values are very much or centered around love and family. Very much so. And it oozes from them when you're when you're in their presence. You can feel it. And I and I I enjoy it. I enjoyed every minute of it. But these are just some observations that I that 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 from over the weekend that that I thought I would lead the show in and share with my listeners before we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> because there's a lot to talk about always, but boy, this current trend of 
and admitted to some pretty nasty stuff. I'm not going to repeat the nasty. But there are five different women that have recounted this dude in his nasty ways. Five women. And certainly he is, he is, he's suffered as a result. He suffered. He's been, he's, he admitted to his sexual misconduct. And he's been dropped by HBO, Netflix, FX, just to name a few. And so he's suffering the repercussions of his bad behavior. Of course, I'm reminded of Bill Cosby. We know about the things that Bill has done and the repercussions he suffered as a result. We know about... Well, R didn't really suffer any repercussions. R. Kelly has done some pretty nasty stuff. We have seen some of the nasty things R. Kelly has done. And he hasn't suffered many repercussions as a result. There are a lot of people that say, I will never listen to R. Kelly. Give the reality is not hurting his record sales any. He's not facing any jail time. I don't know if Louis C.K. will face any jail time for his nasty behavior. But he's certainly going to get hit in the pocket. Then, of course, there was Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Who. This guy. Has done a ton of things. Just nasty stuff. And. He's suffering a little bit. The Hollywood elites have pretty much booted him. They're excommunicating him from Hollywood, so to speak. It'll hurt his pockets a little bit. Of course, H.W. Bush apparently groped someone, which I admit I was surprised. I I looked I looked to Daddy Bush as being of, 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 a, of a you know a statesman and a respectable guy. I was a Bush guy uh, during my Republican days. I was a big fan of H.W. Uh, Bush. I thought he was a statesman. I thought he was a pretty good, a pretty decent president. I thought he was a pretty honorable guy from what I saw. Obviously, you don't know people in their personal lives, but you go off what you see, which is still why I don't understand why people dislike Obama so much. Because from what we see from his personal life, he's a pretty good guy. No sexual, no real scandals about Obama the man. There's no women that have popped up saying he did this or that or none of that stuff. None, none of that stuff. Unlike his Democratic predecessors, you know, two-term predecessors, uh, Clinton and well, Clinton. And, of course, the popular Kennedy. No, no scandals out of, out of uh, Obama. Personal scandals of a personal nature. I certainly don't think Obama would have gotten elected had there been any real personal scandals in in his in in his background. Then of course there is Senate candidate from Alabama, Roy 
more. Former Chief Justice, who was known for uh, wanting to put the Ten Commandments outside of his courthouse. I think he did. I think he had trouble putting the Ten Commandments outside his courthouse. And, of course, he's looking to fill Jeff Sessions' seat from Alabama. I think I played a clip of this guy. He was at a rally with a with a pistol in his cowboy outfit. And so there's allegations that he was messing around with teenagers when he was in his 30s. And the response to that is rather, by some people, is rather troubling. Of course, Paul Ryan has said that, you know, if these are true, if they're true, he should, he should, he should step aside. But the question being, do you, if the question is, do you believe these young ladies? Do you believe them? Certainly when Donald Trump was running for office, we kind of shrugged our shoulders at the women and they're only doing it because he's running for president. Despite the multiple allegations and you got to, they're just because of, you know, he's running for president. When Clarence Thomas ran for Supreme Court Justice and Anita Hill tried to speak up, and eh, she's only doing it. She's trying to take a black man down. Clarence Thomas called it a modern-day lynching. I remember that, which I found rather striking from a conservative to play that card, for lack of a better term, because I don't like the term playing cards. Racism and sexism is really not a card that you play. It's, a real, it's kind of a real thing. And it's nothing to, to downplay by trying to call it a game. But he said a modern-day lynching. But he was still confirmed as the nation's second black uh, Supreme Court justice. And on a side note, I'll admit that I, I'm kind of... I feel some type of way by the fact that he's not included in the African-American Museum. He's still an African-American. You know, even the most African-Americans who tend to lean Democrat and tend to lean liberal in many ways, I think that not including him is, you know, it's kind of, hey, we've only had two. He was the second one. He's still one of ours. He's still one of us. But... And so Roy Moore is not, he's not going to step aside. And there are many, there are many people saying that he should. Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney definitely made a case. And Mitt Romney said, I believe the young women. I believe them. And this guy should step aside. And I agree. I don't think that these women are being opportunistic. Certainly haven't seen any civil lawsuits. What else would they have to gain by coming out? Someone made the comment that they were paid $1,000, really? $1,000, really? Some woman is going to put her, put herself out there like that for $1,000, for real? It's bad enough that, you know, from what I'm seeing, 
God, we have a culture in this society in America. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I can't speak for other countries. I'm not going to speak for other countries. And I recognize that in other countries, women have it pretty bad. But in America, we're supposed to be the land of the free, the greatest country on the planet. But yet, this is what I'm hearing about how we're treating women. All these sexual assault accusations and masturbating, and that's just disgusting. I don't even understand. I'm a guy, and I don't understand that one. I don't get that one. But we're supposed to be the greatest country ever, and look how we're treating women. In America right now, sex trafficking is a problem. It is a major problem. And you have these men of power and authority, and Bill Clinton included, treating women like they are just physical objects, like they're there for our physical pleasure. And then we say, oh, they might, they might not be credible. We immediately, no, I, I'm going to agree with Mitt Romney on this one. I agree that the, I think that these women are very credible. I think that they're telling the truth. And I think that in the, in the Me Too movement, that is, that is what's given many of them the gall to come forward. And I am glad for that. And I pray that this movement continues. And I think that more should step down. If he's elected, that is going to speak volumes of the people in Alabama. Volumes. Because it's not just this one woman. There are multiple that have come forward. And they're not asking for any money. If you want to look at why not. been accused of this nonsense. Kevin Spacey is another one. He's another one. And he has suffered the repercussions of his bad actions. He's been booted off of Netflix and uh, a couple of other uh, projects. He's been replaced, House of Cards, which is, by the way, a, a show I want to check out. I've heard nothing but good things about uh, how you know about the show. So I'm going to start from the beginning. From the beginning, I'm going to check it out. But th this is troubling. This is troublesome for me as a father with daughters. It is troublesome. I, I gave a speech. I, I was invited in, in Milwaukee. I was invited to Milwaukee High School of the Arts. And I'll be honest, I was rather flabbergasted by the invite considering the topic. I would be asked to come in schools all the time to talk about character education topics. So it was nothing uncommon for me to go into a school and talk about something dealing with character education. But this particular, and it would be sometimes it was individual classrooms that wanted me to speak, entire grade levels that wanted me to speak, and sometimes I talked to entire student bodies. But in this particular uh, invite, it was me talking to the women, the young ladies at Milwaukee High School of the Arts about basically women in the workplace and women in society. I was talking about to young women to be about women. And they asked me to do it because they wanted me to be, they felt that I would be honest. They wanted me to speak from a male perspective. And I, I was, I felt like another woman would be, would be, would be better at the subject. And I was teamed up with the, with the, with the psychologist. 
who was to speak as well. And we did two we did two days, two sessions. Um, and it was the, if it was we, we at the school for a total, I want to say three hours. Each session going about an hour and a half. Each of us, each of us was each. It was me and the uh, the, the 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 psychologist. We're supposed to have forty five minutes apiece. And I went on. I spoke uh, to the the younger the the under the underclassmen, the freshmen, the sophomores, and then she went second. And then she was so impressed by my speaking that she let me have the entire session by myself with the upperclassmen. And I'll admit it was uncomfortable for me. And it was, but it was eye-opening for, for them, and it was eye-opening for me as well. First of all, I, I wish we would stop underestimating the intellect of young people. I really would. It was a great conversation. Because when I talk to high school students, it's not that I'm, it's, I, I, it's more of an, a town hall format. Because I want, them, I want to hear what they have to think, or what they have to think, what, what they're thinking, what they have to say. I want them to, 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 I want them to do most of the talking. And I kind of chime in, and it's kind of it's great. It was great dialogue. the 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 younger students were pretty rough on me, but I was painting them a very realistic picture of America. And one young lady challenged me about about the way that women dress, because she felt like they should be able to wear what they want and how they wanted to. And I said, "Listen, you know, certainly we've made great strides in America in terms of." Just accepting certain things. I, I, like tattoos were very taboo at one point. Hell, dreadlocks are, are, are something that are just starting to come. People are starting to come around to. I said, so the tight form-fitting dress, like that, I said, something like that, although it's worn, it's still an issue. And I let them know very honestly, there's some creeps that are in the office space. Those are some of the worst ones. And she didn't like that, but I said, listen, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm saying you guys can be the trailblazers to begin to educate us. Because I said, even though my generation took a step forward, we still got a long way to go. It is up to you guys to carry the torch and move forward. But I'm going to continue the conversation into the second quarter as we're up on the break. Uh, Facebook, search query.
show your support for the independent underground radio network which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows including constitutionally speaking with host autumn smith third wave feminism with host jenny and diane penny's politics with host penny sequoia and our flagship show independent underground radio live with host monica rw so how can you show that support by going to get the independent underground radio network app for just two dollars and 99 cents at google play or the apple store just go and put in the search for independent underground radio network on google play or at the apple store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone your tablet computer or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the independent underground radio network remember just go to google play or the apple store search for independent underground radio network and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent black political anywhere in the world at the independent underground radio network so i've had the opportunity to move to this beautiful and amazing state called florida i've also had the opportunity of moving to this amazing network called IU News and Talk. Hi, I'm Penny Sikora, host of Penny's Politics. Tune in Tuesdays from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I give you my unique, no-spin style of politics. The truth is what you're gonna get here. Sometimes that truth is beneficial. Sometimes you hear the truth and you're like, you know what, I can dig that, I like that, it lets me know I'm on the right side of the argument. But there are other times when the truth is gonna make you upset, you're gonna be upset with Penny. But you know what, I'm still gonna tell you the truth. So tune in Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to Penny's Politics here on IU News and Talk. iunewstalk.com is where you can email me. You can tweet me at Penny Sakura or use the hashtag Penny's Politics. Or you can just join in the live blog right now on on Facebook in the P- Facebook group Penny's Politics. We're talking about uh, a, I'm talking about when I, in the first end of the first half is when I had the opportunity to talk at a high school at with some high school young high school ladies. And it was an eye-opening conversation for myself, and I and I, I remember the the conversation with the young women. They were it was it was a tense conversation, and Penny learns pretty quickly. But I I like to stand on stand firm on the truth. I don't want to sell you a dream. And a lot of people say that Penny, but you're a motivational speaker. It's your job to motivate these young people. And I said yes, I'm going to motivate them. But I'm not going to sell them a false dream. I want them to be prepared for the realities of reality. You know the realities of life, and so the conversation—it was a—it was, it was very contentious at times. But after you know, afterwards, there's time for questions. You know, afterwards, you know, there's time for the one-on-one questions, and a lot of them, you know, 
didn't even know that it was like that out into out in the real world in 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 the corporate world. They didn't know that some men look at women as you know less than. There there I said even in the world of politics, you know, women still up until recently. Uh, women still struggle to get the respect of other women when they're running for office and women outnumber men in the country. You would think that with the, with that voting block, you would think that there will be more women elected to office. But I said, the reality is more people look at men as leaders than they do women, which is crazy because men, especially in the black community in the school was, was majority African-American women are, are more, much more educated than black men. That's, that's just, those are just statistical facts. Women, black women are the most, part of the probably the most educated block in terms of gender and race. Probably the most educated, but yet they're not in more positions of authority, especially in politics. But the second group, you know, it was the same town hall formats, and you know, I challenged them at the end, you know, by letting them know if anybody ever tells you you are less than, you tell them to kick rocks. And to my surprise, that was met with that was the final thing that I said uh, at the thing. It was met with a standing ovation. Uh, and of course, that prompted the principal to invite me back to do another session with these same young ladies. And whew, my goodness, grievances. It was it was nerve wracking for me at times. But, you know, I prayed. I went in there and I was honest with the young ladies. But I let them know, don't let anyone stop you there. You can do both. You can certainly prepare people for the trials and tribulations that they are about to face. But let them know, do not allow those trials and tribulations to stop you. You are an amazing individual, which they are, uh, especially at this particular school. Uh, You are amazing individuals and you can do anything. You can do anything. But the one thing that I want young ladies to do is speak up. Speak up. Don't, Don't let anyone tell you what you cannot talk about. They don't get to write your narrative. And that's the problem. When powerful men are allowed to shut people down, shut women down and shut them up, that's why women don't want to say anything. Our own criminal justice uh, system, the, the I, I, my God, I could, I, I would, let me be honest, I have been a, a victim of, of, of sexual assault as a kid. But, I, and, and it was traumatizing as a child, certainly. But as bad as it was, I cannot imagine being a woman being violated and then be put on the stand to have a to have a cross examine, basically challenge your credibility and make you seem as if you welcome the attack. As a married man whom in the confines of marriage in which in, in the under Christian rules, I am permitted to have sex with my spouse. But only if she wants to have sex with me too. And there was a time in this country in which, as if I were married, I, she didn't have a right to tell me no. That was a thing. In America, the greatest country on the planet. That was a thing. And now... We still we do and now when women try to come forward, we we still we we make it seem as if somehow they invited it unto themselves. I remember in the conversation I was telling a young woman about the way that you know a way that they dress. I said, "Listen, you dress how you want to dress. 
But I'm letting you know there are creeps out there looking at you a certain way. And I said, and I said, but the but I said the sad reality is sometimes no matter what you wear, the creeps are still gonna see you, see you in a creepy way, which is ridiculously sad. They don't see your mind. And, I, and, I, and even in the conversation about Tiffany Addish, amazing comedian, what did I comment about? How beautiful she is. She is beautiful. But I see her as a funny comedian first. She's amazingly talented, funny. She's funny. You know, but I have to set an example for my girls because they're growing up in this sick society in which they will be looked at physically before anything else. And yeah, in men's defense, you know, looks, if you're an attractive person, period, they're going to, people are going to notice your looks before anything else. But women more so. There have been many memes and, and, and pictures posted of women wearing form-fitting dresses and, you know, people saying how not appropriate that is. And if you're a black woman, black women are curvaceous. They're very curvaceous. Kind of hard to hide those curves unless you want to wear a muumuu to work every day. And certainly, I'm not advocating for them to be to be uncomfortable when they go to work. But we need to get into a society in which we need to move forward into a society in which we look at them as as people, intellectuals, not just our physical eye candy. And these were the the many you know realities I was you know uh, telling these young people I was revealing to these young people. Shout out to the Milwaukee High School of the Arts too, by the way. That school is, in my opinion, highly underrated um, as far as academics and just talent. There are some talented individuals at that school. You know, talented. These are some smart, very smart, smart kids. And the and I know that I jump all over the place. And the side note uh, is that when I came back for the second session, um, the, the the you know the school is dealing with a high suicide rate. You know the Marquette High School of Arts attracts a lot of very talented individuals that are also seen in many cases from the conversations they had the black sheeps of their families and of just period of society. The misfits, talented misfits, for lack of a better term. And they've been cast out by a lot of other groups, and so they all find themselves at this common ground in the high at this at the same high school. And when I say talented, my God, if you if you have not been to any of their pr- productions, please go. They put on a hell of a show. You would swear they they did a they did this uh they did this performance of Bye Bye Birdie in which they sold tickets and people came and saw my goodness grievances. If for half a, if you weren't paying attention, you would have swore you were, you know, at the Milwaukee Center for the Performing Arts with a bunch of, uh, you know, paid adults and not a bunch of high school students. It was that good. But they struggle. They struggle. And on the topic, women struggle. 
because of the way that we treat them. We tell them that you're, you're only doing this to be opportunistic. Some, for someone, that's the only opportunity to say something to get the attention that the issue deserves and it's not swept up under the rug. Think about how many low-profile accusations happen and we never hear about them because they never go anywhere because nobody believes them. Or they shut them up. Or they tell them it's their fault. It's your fault you got raped because you're pretty. And you're walking down the street by yourself. That's your fault. You're a woman. You should know better than to walk, be pretty and walk down the street by yourself. How dare you? You're a woman. How dare you wear that nice-looking dress that makes you even prettier? How dare you? Because, you know, those guys, you know guys can't control themselves. To hell if we tell the guys to freaking control yourselves. We tell the women you should dress more conservatively. Wear more clothing. Don't walk down streets by yourselves. There are women that get cursed out or attacked because a, they, a guy offers them the number and the, the, guy, the woman says no. Or the guy wants their number and she says no. And so the guy gets angry and attacks her. There are women that I know that, that will give a guy a fake number just to, to leave him alone. There are women I know that will give their actual number to the guy just to leave him alone. Now, they won't follow up with him, but they'll just to leave him alone, just to get them to leave him alone. What kind of society do we live in that this is their reality? What kind of America is, are, is, are my girls growing up into? What kind of America is this? I live in a condo, and we have a pool. And, you know, my daughter, I remember going, <laughs> I remember going um, swimsuit shopping with her and made the mistake of saying, go pick, pick something out. And she came back with these two pieces of material and called them a swimsuit and said, I want this, Daddy. And I remember thinking, oh, hell no. No. And so I found I, I wouldn't pick out a trench coat, of course. No one agreed with me. I thought the trench coat was I thought the trench coat was nice was nice. But apparently that's not something that you wear when you go swimming. But my reason was that I'm thinking all I could think about was all the eyes on my little girl who was at the time fourteen. All she wanted was a swimsuit to go swimming. And all I could think about was all the, the men looking at this little girl. And when I sit back and I think about that, I, I, I try looking back my, at myself. Was I that bad? Certainly as a teenager, I was. I was a horny little idiot that certainly was hormonally driven and you know, I was stupid. I said some of the dumbest things. I certainly never did the locker room talk that Trump talked about. I never said I'm going to grab him by the, the goodies. Certainly not without permission. Yeah, we, we talked about the things that we wanted to do to young ladies and, you know, but it was with their permission. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to take me some. Take, I'm taking some of their goodies. That never happened. I'm never, I'm just going to grab them and they not No, that never, never. The most, the, the worst that it got was, you know, a, a booty touch. Not saying that that's not bad. Certainly that is. It's still sexual assault. But that's the worst that ever got. I want to touch her booty. I should touch her. That's the worst that ever got. But locker room talking, and, and on the, while we're on the subject, we're honest, was gay. We said some of the, and with all due respect to my gay brethren, I'm just saying, it was gay. There was a lot of 
it was sound if you didn't know if you were just listening in from the outside it sounded very homosexual and the things that we did were very homosexual you know the, the, some of the games we played and smacking each other in the butts and some of the stuff that we talked about and it was it was it was it was gay and i don't mean mean that in a pejorative i'm just being honest that's how it was if you didn't know us you would I think it was a bunch of gay athletes. If you ever read some of the books written about guys in a locker room, that's the conclusion that you'll get. Some of those macho guys in the world say some of the most, do some of those homosexual things or homosexual-like things. And again, I don't mean that in the pejorative. I don't want my email blowing up with people from the gay community saying, oh, Penny, what are you talking about? I'm just telling you what takes place in locker rooms. In any athlete, student athlete, if I, if they're honest, that's what we talk about more than anything. That's what we do more than anything. But what society are we preparing our young ladies for? Seriously. And I, I believe God blessed me with, with girls to kind of say, hey, look, you need to be balanced. I believe that that he allowed me to make mistakes so that I can stay humble. Yeah, I got in trouble when I was when I was when I, when I was gay. I got arrested. You know, I've been arrested four times. I've been I was in trouble before. I've made mistakes. Thank God that I, made, I was able to bounce back from those things, get college educated, and you know have a somewhat decent life. But. As far as women is, are concerned, I believe that my yin to my yang was God giving me daughters saying, hey, you need to see things from a different standpoint because these are people. Sure, there are some differences between men and women, but the, at the end of the day, especially in corporate America, there shouldn't be. They're just as smart, if not smarter. They work just as hard, if not harder. There's very little, very few things. There aren't any things mentally that we can do that, that they can't do. There are very few things physically that we can do that they can't do. But yet we treat them like pieces of meat. We have all these accusations. And, I, and again, I'm going back to the Roy Moore situation. If Alabama elects him, boy, and, that, and Alabama's where my, my dad's from. That's where my dad's side of the family's from. The Alabamans. Roll Tide. Famous at Alabama. I love, certainly love the people. And I will still love them if they make the mistake of, of electing more. But that, that's going to speak volumes for your state. That's going to speak volumes. And for one of the examples that I've given, Trump, Clarence Thomas, and, and we'll see about more, you guys are very dismissive of these type of allegations. Very much so. And I get it on the on the on the on the on the Democratic side. You got Bill Clinton. So, but he was impeached. Slap on the wrist, yes, but he was impeached during the campaign. All these allegations against uh, for the confirmation of Thomas, he was still confirmed, and all his allegations against Trump, they pretty much fake news. Did pretty much they're all lying, fake news. Let's move on. Even though. Even though there are so, there's so much other evidence to prove that Trump is a womanizer. But 
on the on the notes of more ugly thing that we we're doing to women. This is from the root. This is from uh, October twentieth. Some of these stories are a couple of weeks old because I didn't get a chance to get to them uh, on my show. Uh, but I want there's some stories I want to hit. And on this very same topic, there were two New York Police Department officers charged with raping a teenager in the police van. This is from the root. After listening to evidence for a week, a grand jury has charged two officers in the New York City Police Department with the first-degree rape of an 18-year-old woman. According to the New York Post, officers Eddie Martins and Richard Hall are alleged to have detained the victim in the city's Brooklyn borough on September 15th for possession of marijuana and an an anti-anxiety drug. The officers reportedly handcuffed the victim and drove her in a police van to the parking lot of a nearby Chipotle restaurant where Martins allegedly raped her and both policemen raped her orally, forcing her to perform oral sex on them. This validates what my client has always said, that she was kidnapped, handcuffed, and brutally raped and then thrown onto the street by two, on, two on-duty officers. The victim's attorney told the Post, we would expect the police commissioner to take immediate action in firing these two officers. Additionally, we request that all this shaming and smearing of the victim of this vicious attack be stopped immediately. I'm going to read that one more time. We expected that the police commissioner to take. We expect the police commissioner to take immediate action in firing these two officers. Additionally, we request that all this shaming and smearing of the victim of these vicious attack, smearing of the victim of this vicious attack, be stopped immediately. We look forward to the to conviction of these of these individuals. After the grand jury returned its indictment, the women praised the charges from Twitter account from from a Twitter account under the alias Anna Chambers. The cops face a minimum of three years and a maximum of 25 years in prison if they are convicted. They are now suspended without pay and are scheduled to turn themselves in sometime early next week. Police officers involved have repeatedly told their colleagues that the sex was consensual. Of course, only a cop could believe that a handcuffed teenager arrested for drug possession can't wait to have sex with a police officer. The police officer said that sex was consensual. I cannot tell you when I first, when I read that, how in the hell could you even think that that was okay? You cannot have consensual sex with a prisoner in most states. It's against the law in most states. Because the prisoner is your prisoner. You are a person of authority. Under the Constitution, they are slaves. Because you can use slavery as a punishment for a crime. Just so I'm clear. If you don't believe me, read the 13th Amendment. They are in no position to consent. Just like that's, it's the same mentality of an adult and a child. They're in no position to consent. You are in a severe, you are at a severe advantage. Even if they thought that they wanted to, they are not in the position to consent. There's a video. talk about a topic today that's rarely ever talked about and rarely even recognized and I'm gonna do so by telling you a story back in like 2002 I met this sister beautiful sister and at that era of my life all I wanted to do was have sex with women so she came over my house one night didn't give it up 
came over to my house the second night, didn't give it up. The third night she's coming over, I said, look, man, I'm going to get this box however I got to get it. So when she get there, I'm badgering her, and I'm badgering her, and I'm pulling on her panties, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing what some men do when they're trying to be aggressive to have sex with a woman or get her to say yes. And I'll never forget her response. She was like, do you really want to do this? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay. And I didn't think twice about it until... She didn't answer my phone calls after that. I'm like, damn, why didn't she answer my phone calls? And then I remember her response, and I asked myself, did I rape her? And I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and she was talking about how this has happened to her multiple times and to some women that she knew where um, men are so aggressive that the women feel like they're going to be raped. So in order to protect themselves from being raped, they consent to a sex that they don't even want to have, which is why I'm calling it consensual rape. Yes, the women said yes, but they only said yes out of fear. So as men, I understand there's times where we feel like no may mean yes, but we got to take the first no as a no. We can't be so bent on sexually abusing our women that we badger them to the point where they feel like they're going to rape or that we're going to rape them so they just give it up and to the sister this happened to with me years ago if you're watching think about that for a second think about that for a second Think about the young lady handcuffed with the New York police officers. You really think that she could have said no? You really think that she was in a position to say, no, I don't want to have sex with you officers with the guns that have me handcuffed and have my freedom in your hands? Certainly I don't. I, certainly I no. Think about the re reason why some states passed a law that says you can't have sex with prisoners, with inmates. Sure, a correctional officer who who could throw me into solitary confinement with an accusation because it's my, my word, the convicted felon versus yours, the, you know, highly respected officer. No, they're not in a position to consent. And the story that he gave, how many times has that happened? And the guy in the video, he's pretty, he's a pretty big guy. And I assume he's bigger, stronger than the, the young lady. And out of fear, she says, okay, fine. All right. In her mind, she's okay, fine. I got to do this because you're, I have to give it up to protect myself. Think about how oxymoronic that is. Think about that for a second. And I, and having, again, having daughters has totally changed my view on the world. And I'm grateful for that. Certainly because my eyes needed to be open. Certainly they did. Certainly they did, even though I was never that bad. Yeah, horny teenager, mm-hmm, said, think, thoughts and thoughts. You know, I, I was always too scary to go too far. As a teenager, even as a young man in college, that was not me. All lights had to be green. All lights had to be green. I'm not going to badger. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to force or pressure. Not force. But given all these recent allegations, given all that's going on, what kind of culture are we, do we have here in America? 
And please spare me with the, oh, but in Saudi Arabia. But no, we're talking about America. Sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around somebody else's. Remember the, remember the Jesus plank and, and speck? America, there's a plank in our eye. Let's talk about the plank. Let's have the conversation about the plank. Why are we, why are we not creating an environment in which men recognize, hey, no it clearly means no. Why are, we, why are we not teaching them to have boundaries? Respect boundaries. Be protective. Why is that we're telling the young ladies where to avoid? Don't go here alone. Don't dress a certain way. Don't drink too much when you go out. Make sure you're when you go out, you have your buddies with you because things could happen. Why is it that we're teaching that and that that's the conversation? This conversation is not telling men, hey, men, don't rape. Ugh. I'm on one today, y'all. Penny at iunewstalk.com is my email. Tweet me at Penny Sakura on. Then a stranger came walking by, said, Son, do you need some help? I was standing in a dry place. Needed to be set free. I looked up in the stranger's face. He was clearly looking straight through me. I never knew how I got there. I was in a place of pain and despair. The stranger said, Take my hand and fly with me. Independent Underground News and Talk and Independent Underground our Radio Network. Advanced Auto Parts is offering 20% off of your first order. Now, to save 20% off your first order, go to www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network to save 20% off of your first order. And make sure that you put in AAP20 cast for the savings. Now, did you know that Advanced Auto Parts have been in business over 75 years and has helped the nations do-it-yourselfers fix their vehicles? Advanced Auto Parts is also your source for quality auto parts, advice, and accessories. So go ahead and get your 20% off today of your first order at advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And make sure you put in the code AAP20CAST for your 20% savings. Show your support for the Independent Underground Radio Network, which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows, including Constitutionally Speaking with host Autumn Smith, Third Wave Feminism with host Jenny and Diane, Penny's Politics with host Penny Sequoia, and our flagship show, Independent Underground Radio Live with host Monica RW. So how can you show that support? By going to 
to get the Independent Underground Radio Network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for Independent Underground Radio Network on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the Independent Underground Radio Network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store, search for Independent Underground Radio Network, and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the Independent Underground Radio Network. Most entrepreneurs and small business owners, it's the very thing that always seems to be in short supply. Tons to do, never enough time to get it all done. The good news is that our friends over at FreshBooks feel your pain and have created something to help you reclaim some of your precious time. FreshBooks is the simple invoicing solution that lets you create and send slick professional looking invoices in seconds. Oh, and invoicing is just the beginning. FreshBooks will also make managing your expenses, staying on top of who owes you what, and tracking your time the easiest part of your day. If your business keeps you constantly on the move, not to worry. The FreshBooks mobile app can keep up. You can use the camera on your phone to capture your receipts while you watch FreshBooks magically create your expense reports for you. If you do have questions, contact the award-winning FreshBooks support team and get help from real life humans. No phone tree, no less we escalate that, no I will get back to you, just helpful service at the drop of a hat. So to try FreshBooks free for 30 days, just go to www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And enter independent underground news and talk into the how did you hear about us section. You are listening to Penny's Politics on IU News and Talk. politics there is a live blog if you want to join in on the conversation let's talk about my show right now right now they're talking about my show uh you can email me penny at iunewstalk.com or tweet me at penny Sikora or use the hashtag penny's politics we're talking about the rapish culture here in the greatest country on the planet and and i am perturbed i am perturbed by the fact that this is an actual conversation in 2017 in 2017, we're talking about why are 
we telling our young ladies the one to be on the on the uh, on the, the cautionary end? Why are we telling them to be cautious? Why are we telling them to walk in groups? Why are we telling them not to drink too much? Why are we telling them not to go out on dates alone? Why are we telling them not to walk down dark alleys? Why are we telling them not to walk at certain hours of the night? Why are we telling them not to travel alone at night? Why are we telling them all of these things? Why are we telling them all of these things to be protect to protect themselves? Why are all the quote unquote rape deterrent security measures taking place on campuses like the, the emergency phones? All of these things point to you know all of the defensive measures that we have taken in this rapish culture that is America. I'm not going to talk about college. Oh my lord, I'm not going to talk about college. There are statistics that say you know as many as four out of ten women have been sexually assaulted or raped or or, or in some form violated on college campuses. I'm not going to talk about that, even though I just did. This is terrible. I have daughters, people. And, and it's not just about my daughters. There are other daughters and women and 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 and, and uh, aunties and sisters and mothers. And, whew. and we're telling you all these things and simp- instead of telling the young man, hey, don't be rapey. Respect boundary- boundaries. No means no. Pressure is still rapey. It's still rapey. I can't believe the two officers said, hey, she told me, we, she said we can have sex with her. She, she consented. You think? I'm sure if I put, on a, put a gun on my hip, put somebody in the backseat of my car, and say, you want to have sex? I'm sure they're not going to tell me no. I'm sure that I'm, I'm pretty positive they're not going to tell me no. That is not consensual. It's a conversation that needs to be had. It's not one that I thought that I would be spending my entire show about, but, but, but given all of these accusations come out, and, 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 and the rapish culture shows no boundaries. There are heterosexuals. There are gay people. There are gay rapers, rapey, rapey people. There are Republican rapies, and there are Democratic rapies. There are liberal rapies, and there are conservative rapies. And I'm sitting, I'm watching them try to make this ideological or, or partisan, and it's not. Rapey knows no party. It also knows no gender because there are women rapies too. Certainly not as bad as the men rapies, but there are women rapies too. Certainly the statutory rapies is rapey. I don't understand how, but I don't want to get too far off the subject because, yes, I am putting us men's feet to the fire in this particular subject, you know, conversation because we can change the narrative. We hold the tools and have the power to change the narrative. Certainly we do. This is an area in which we hold a lot of power. We can do a lot about. Getting our young men to keep their hands to themselves. Do what I did. Three second glance, move on with your life. That's how nerdy I was. I was so nerdy I was afraid to stare. But we need to change this conversation. We definitely need to come with a better system uh, of of dealing with rape in America, when forceful rape has happened, I feel bad for the for the victims. It's almost like they got to go through the whole thing ordeal all over again. They do have to relive it in court because you got to go through all of the details all over again after a rape kit. Which is how do you get a rape kit? Well, we got to violate you one more time before we send you through the emotional trauma of of testifying in front of the person that raped you. 
if anyone has ever been through a real rape trial and has ever witnessed a real rape trial, I want you to sit and watch. They should do a documentary on rape trials to show some of these people, really, it's not as easy as you think it is to simply come forth and say, hey, that person raped me. Can you, justice, can you get them? Because you know what justice says? Did he rape you or did you ask him to rape you? Are you a stripper? Well, then you certainly can't be raped because you're a stripper. Did you have on a short skirt? Because you certainly can't be raped because you had on a short skirt. Did you walk down the street at a certain hour of the night? Certainly you couldn't be raped because you walked down the street at a certain hour of the night. You have a lot of kids. Do they have the same father? Because certainly you like sex, so you probably you probably asked for it. That is the most, see how ridiculous that sounds when I put it in that context? But that is essentially the context in which people put it in. That's, a, that's what people say. Those are actual things people say. Maybe not the exact words, but that's what people say. They blame her. You know you're dancing bare-bodied for money. You must want sex. You must want unwanted sex. You must want it. That short skirt means you want unwanted sex. You're pretty, so you must want unwanted sex. You must have wanted it. You had to have wanted it. You're beautiful, so you wanted me to take it. You were telling me to take it. I know you guys are thinking, oh my God, is he still going on and on about this? But I want the, I want to bring the point home about how absurd our culture is in America. And I haven't even gotten, I wanted to talk guns again. I want to talk about guns again. I want to talk about that again. But with all these accusations coming out of the woodwork, I just, again, I want to talk about this. Because it's an important topic. It's an important, a, a very important topic. And yeah, it, it hits home because I got girls. Certainly it does. I joke with my daughter all the time about the young men that try to talk to her and that remind them I got guns. Certainly, I don't want young men to think that I'm that this violent person that flies off the cup or off the cuff and would be violent just because they want to talk to my daughters. I'm being humorous, and there are women, there are mothers that take offense to that. Oh, you dare? No, calm down. I'm just sending the message that I'm protective of my girls, as we should be about all of our girls, not including the ones that you helped to procreate or married or related to. This should be the general consensus. This is one gender role that I agree that needs to be prevalent in America. That protective role, we need to be protective. And we need to make that the cult that be the culture. The one thing that we need to be consistent about and we need to be, that needs to be the message. But I'm going to switch subjects. I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch subjects. I'm going to talk about taxes. I'm going to talk about taxes and leave it to the black female comedian, Tiffany Haddish, to bring up a very great point in her monologue in Santa Light Live. She says, for those of you that pay taxes between 1990, I think in 99 or over the year span in which she was in the foster care system, she says, thank you. Because of that system that someone told her she should get into comedy and thus her journey began. But I bring that up because in having conversations with a lot of conservatives, conservatives will outright say it, liberals will do it. 
Conservatives are pretty clear they want smaller government and lower taxes. They're pretty clear about that. And one of the first questions that they ask when we're funding funding anything is how much is this going to cost? And while troubling, I understand their standpoint. Certainly we have to be fiscally responsible. Well, we should be. But I asked the question, and when I say liberal, conservatives will come right out and say it, and I say liberals will do it. Liberals also care about this stuff. If you don't believe me, look in, go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin right now and, and, and listen to the conversation about the wheel tax for transit. The county executive proposed increasing the wheel tax by 30 some $30, and people are having a hit and fit about it. Now, mind you, it's going to fund public transportation for those that are elderly, those that are disabled, those that should not be driving, those that cannot drive, those that cannot afford to drive a car. Because it helps them to participate in this economy. It helps them to get to work, to go to school. It helps them to get to doctor's appointments. It helps them to get to, you know, to, get, to, to, to live. You certainly cannot live in America if you can't move around. You don't believe me? Ask anybody here in Orange County. Orange County, who has probably one of the worst public transit systems in, 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 in the country. And I'm going to talk about that. But in Milwaukee County, the liberals, when I say the conservatives will come right out and say, we care about what, we pay, what we're paying for. We want to know what it's going to cost. Liberals are doing. They are right now protesting. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they've shot it down. The idea of raising the wheel tax, raising the, the car, registration fee, car registration fee, which the funds would directly go to pay for the transit system. So they've said, listen, I, don't, I know that I have the luxury of being able to drive a car. And for an extra $35 a year, not a month, a year, $35 a year, that comes out to less than a dime a day, a dime a day to fund the transit system so that people can continue. So that economy, that very fragile economy in southeastern Wisconsin can continue. They don't want to pay for it. And Southeastern Wisconsin and Milwaukee is very liberal. And so that's why I'm putting this at the seat of the liberals. They don't want it. Because my God, God forbid I got to sacrifice $35 so that we can keep the transit system running. The transit system that is award winning, by the way, one of the best in the nation. Twice they won the, the award for being the best in the nation. And of course it was being compared to, to peer systems in terms of efficiency you know, how they're spending their money, how they're providing the service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They want awards for their fiscal responsibility. They want awards for their service. They want awards for that, this particular system. And despite all of the cuts, they, they, they still continue to run a pretty decent system. If you complain about the system in Milwaukee, come to Orange County. And yes, I'm going to switch, switch topics again. We're going to talk about transit systems. And then I'm gonna get back to talking about conservatives and spending, but because but I got to talk about systems transfer. I want to talk about transit in Orange County. A couple of things are going on right now here in Orange County. All right, number one, the Disney workers are protesting. I think it's some thirty-five thousand employees down at Disney that are protesting right now. They want the the average wage to be fifteen dollars an hour. Right now, it's about ten. And before you go on your little diatribe about, oh, 
they're low skill, blah, 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 blah. Disney is one of the most visited places, Disney World, on the planet. There is so much sales tax revenue brought by Disney World that it literally, the state, that's why this, that's why Florida can get away with not having any state income tax. And the sales tax is relatively low. It's like 6%. It's low. So, but but they want more money. And I don't want, I, I, I don't want, do not want to hear the argument about these are jobs that teenagers should have or college students should have. And, you know, these aren't jobs that were meant to support the family. They're simply stepping zone jobs. Nonsense. Nonsense. Those jobs are highly competitive and you have to be talented to do those jobs. And they're extraordinarily popular. Extraordinarily popular. And they pay Disney, one of the largest corporations in America. Disney that owns ESPN and ABC. The, Disney is the parent company. They're the, the mama and daddy company to ABC and all of Disney is apparently in talks to, 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 to try to acquire 21st Century Fox and its assets. So Disney is a ginormous corporation. So don't give me the nonsense of they can't afford to pay these employees more. They certainly can. It's not like Disney is not doing well. Again, one of the most visited places on the planet, not in America, not in North America, on the round globe. Yes, flat earthers, I know you think the globe is you think it's not a globe, you think it's flat. It ain't. But just to suffice you, folks, it's the most visited place on the disc. One of the most visited places on the disc. Very popular. And there's more than one Disney theme park. But the one in Florida is the world. This is the big one. This is the daddy. You don't believe me? Come down to Florida in the, in the, in the summer months. My God. Actually, come down here during the holiday season. It is a mad, whoo, it's crazy down here. So they want more. They want more money. And these are not jobs that can be held by college students or high school kids. High school kids cannot, Disney is not only, is not open after school. Disney is open late hours. It's, it's open during school hours. And so grown people have to have these jobs because they're the ones with the availability. These jobs should be family sustaining. Disney, which is all about family values, should lead the way. And Disney is supposed to be liberal. That's why I brought up this particular conversation is because conservatives will come right out and say, I don't know how much this costs. I, I'm not, I don't want to pay for this. But liberals will do it and not say anything. The liberal, the, the liberal Disney, which just a few weeks ago with, when the Jamel, uh, uh, Jamel Harris uh, situation, God, am I saying, are you saying your name correctly? Uh, the young lady from ESPN. Uh, they were just, oh, they, they were just, they were just blasting the liberal Disney. That's why I don't watch ESPN anymore because they've gotten so liberal and it's liberal this and liberals spin that. These same liberals don't want to pay $15 an hour. They don't want to do it. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go hard on Disney because I love visiting Disney, but Disney does some dirty stuff. And yes, I'm a hypocrite. I wear Nike, so I'm a hypocrite. I have many hypocritical ways. But 
Disney, the liberal Disney, is saying these people do not deserve a family supporting wage. And fifteen dollars an hour really is not family supported. It really ain't. It's not even close. In Orange County, it needs to be twenty-five or better with benefits. Twenty-five or better if you want to support a family. It's about fifty grand a year for a little more than fifty thousand dollars a year. That's the, should be the starting point if you want to support a family because you're not supporting a family on thirty thousand dollars a year. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You're not. A single person could probably get away with that and live a okay life. You don't have kids in um, $30,000 a year. You're just not doing it, which is why I don't understand why people are complaining about $15 an hour. I sit in here, the conversations about, uh, you know, fast food workers and how they don't deserve it. Have you guys ever sit and listen and re read Facebook posts about how we treat fast food workers? Because they're the, the poster child for why we should not pay $15 an hour. They are the poster child. Why? Because you go in there for a dollar burger. They, yes, they make, they make mistakes sometimes. You think about how fast they got to freaking get people through. How many customers they serve in an hour because people want the food fast, they want it hot, and they want the orders correct. Well, they can't give my order correct. You know how fast y'all going for a dollar burger? Do you really expect top-notch service for a dollar burger? This is McDonald's where the average meal price is about 6 or $7, maybe a little higher. This is not Capital Grill where the average meal price is like $70, $80. Now, if you go to Capital Grill and you get, they mess with your order, complain. You are paying for it. You get what you pay for. Certainly, you recognize this if you ever go to the deal, a, a Lexus dealership and get service on your car or a Benz dealership and get service on your car versus Tom and Joe's around the corner. There's a level of service. There's a level of expectation. Not saying Tom and Joe's does not good, do good work, but there's a level of expectation for getting your $50,000, dollars $70,000 car fixed versus you know, getting your beater fixed. There's, a, there's an expectation. And, but, but for some reason, we forget about this when we go to McDonald's. We have this high expectation off of this fast food that is being mass produced that is cheap that we shouldn't even be eating anyways. So, and we treat them like crap. And why do we treat them like crap? And this is across the board. We treat them like crap because they make little wages. That is consistent in America. You make crap wages, you get treated like crap. You make a lot of money, we treat you like royalty. And we let you get away with a lot of stuff. And I can literally say we let you get away with rape. You don't believe me? Ask Aura. Ask good old Robert Kelly. We have great respect for people with money and people that have these good paying jobs. King said the only thing that makes a job menial is pay. You pay someone more money, these people tend to have a, a, self, a, self, a sense of self-respect for themselves. Why? Because they're able to provide. They're, they, they, they're able to take care of their families and pay taxes and you know, be vested in their communities because they own homes. Those that don't make enough, first of all, I don't blame them for not caring. I don't. I'm getting paid crap wages. You're probably going to get crap service. It was a model that I had during my YMCA days when I first started. Now, mind you, I did move up the ladder in the Y because I was brainwashed into the Y culture, and the Y did a great job of doing that. Thank you, YMCA. But, but, for the most part, the Lord, the I told them, I told the why, you get what you pay for. You want more out of me, you pay me more. And that's the general consensus. Now, mind you, money's not the end-all, be-all, but it's the starting point. Believe me. If I'm making a decent wage, I want to be respected. I want to know that I matter, and I want to feel like I'm doing something. And even if it's a job that I don't really like that much, if I can take care of my family, and put a little bit, put a, put a little bit away to save, 
and have enough to take a vacation here and there, then I'm 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 usually content. But if I'm struggling and you treat me like crap too, oh hell no. No. It's not gonna fly. And the 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 the, the part that really baffles me is that some people that have lived that life tell stories. They tell stories about how horrible it is and how horribly they got treated. I remember when I was a waiter, I was a waiter at Denny's. Denny's was one of my first jobs, first, first, first jobs. And I remember vividly it was a Saturday. And the Denny's I worked at was right near a mall. And so when the mall would begin to, you know, as the mall began to close down toward the end of the shopping day, Denny's would get busy because people would come from the mall, they would come to the, you know, to the Denny's. So Saturdays, you know, the, you know, that's a busy time for restaurants anyways. It would get really busy, really busy. But I remember it was really busy. And I was good at what I did. I'm not too my home, but I was good. I could run a whole dining room by myself and not get too far behind. Not just my little section. I could roll an entire dining room. But in this particular day, I had my section. I had the busiest section. The busiest section in this particular day was the section with all the booths because everybody wants a booth. People don't want tables, they want booths. And my, it was a non-smoking booths section. The busiest section in the restaurant. The minute the table clears, another one person is sitting there. You didn't have a break. But I was really busy. And this this woman, this this these two women came in. I'll never forget. I'm not going to say their race or none of that stuff. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you they were women. Not that that's important. But these two women came in, and they sat down there. And and you know the first thing you do is as a waiter is you is that you you come you greet them. You know uh, if you're busy, let them know be a couple minutes. But you always grab the you take a drink order. You want to get them something on the table so that, you know, that, that, that to kind of start the order, give them time to look at the menu. And, and, and more importantly, it's a little strategy that buys you time to take care of your other tables so you can get back to them, take the order and get them going. It was kind of a it's kind of a routine, but it, it buys you some time. And they were like, we, we will start off with water. All right. So I brought them two full glasses of water, some ice and some water. Boom, set it on the table. I leave. I come back. I take the order. The lady goes. There's too much ice in this water. I said, okay, fair enough. I go in. I fill the I fill the, the, the glass with half a cup of ice, less ice. Fill it with water. I take it back to the table. Boom, I make my rounds by the table. I come back. She's still not happy. She said, now there's too much water for the ice. This is a true story. I am 17 years old, waiting on tables at Denny's. So now there's too much water for the ice. So this time, now mind you, it's busy as all crap. It's a Saturday. It's busy as heck. And I don't have time for this. And so I leave. I come back with a, I come back with three glasses. One glass full of ice, one glass full of water, and an empty glass. But these are some of the things that you're that you are that you have to deal with. And she began to insult me, you little two thirty-three an hour job. There goes your tip. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Seriously, it's busy as hell. You want this top-notch service? And by the way, their check ended up the total check, and I remember ended up being less than fifteen dollars. They didn't even spend between the two of them fifteen dollars. You want this kind of service? Are you freaking kidding me? I thought what I did was reasonable, but that's just me. Listen.
if I was in L.A. California dreaming on such a winter's day. I stopped into a church. Yes, I did. That I passed along the way. And I got down. So... I've had the opportunity to move to this beautiful and amazing state called Florida. I've also had the opportunity of moving to this amazing network called IU News and Talk. Hi, I'm Penny Sikora, host of Penny's Politics. Tune in Tuesdays from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I give you my unique no-spin style of politics. The truth is what you're going to get here. Sometimes that truth is beneficial. Sometimes you hear the truth and you're like, you know what? I can dig that. I like that. It lets me know I'm on the right side of the argument. But there are other times where the truth is going to make you upset. You're going to be upset with Penny. But you know what? I'm still going to tell you the truth. So tune in Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to Penny's Politics here on IU News and Talk. your support for the independent underground radio network which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows including constitutionally speaking with host autumn smith third wave feminism with host jenny and diane penny's politics with host penny sequoia and our flagship show independent underground radio live with host monica rw so how can you show that support by going to get the Independent Underground Radio Network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for Independent Underground Radio Network on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the Independent Underground Radio Network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store. Search for Independent Underground Radio Radio Network and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent black political anywhere in the world at the Independent Underground Radio Network. Just the other day, he came to the world in the usual way, but there were plain Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Penny's Politics is the name of the group. Listen, if you want to just join the group to talk politics 24 7, if you're a liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, independent, anarchist, I don't know, join the group. Let's have a conversation because we talk politics 24 7, 365. Email me, Penny at IUNewsTalk.com, or you can tweet me at Penny Sakura. I'm talking about, we're talking about wages now. I kind of got thrown off a little bit uh, in the conversation about conservatives and their wanting to spin. And then we got talking about Disney employees and their wages. And then, of course, that led me to share a story about uh, fast food workers and the time in which I worked at Denny's, in which I got treated a certain way because people looked down upon me because I made a certain wage and they treated me a certain way. And I worked at Denny's. And I used to be thinking, listen, you talk about down on me. 
and 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 all different types of people would do it. Tip their nose at me. I'm telling think of dude, you're eating at Denny's. If you want to tip your nose, dude, go. There are a ton of better restaurants, Mr. High Class. And the woman that I gave the three glasses to was angry and she complained. You know, my manager didn't chastise me because I was like, like I said, I was good at what I did. And at the time, I thought, I mean, I'm thinking, I, there's no way I have time to continuously try to figure out what ratio of water to ice to give this woman. And we're at Denny's, people. But I, I sit and I hear the stories about other people working at fast food restaurants and how they're talked down upon. You know, and people talk down upon them because they make little wages. If these people were making decent wages, first of all, you get a higher level of service. That would come automatic because you can certainly demand more out of your employees because you're paying them more. And certainly more of them would take pride in their jobs. More of them would. In this era of stagnant wages, no, we're not. People aren't taking pride anymore. And it's not like it was back in the day where, you know, that was a stepping stone. That was the norm. Low wage, low skill uh, jobs are the majority of the jobs being created in America. Under the Obama recovery, that's the, the fact. Those are the facts. Under, under Now that this is Trump's economy, those are the facts. Those are the facts. And certainly we should be demanding a higher ceiling. And people make the dumbest arguments. So if they, if they make $15 an hour, that'd be, I should make more. Well, duh, you should. You should. No one's arguing against that. Only you are the fool, foolish one that's arguing against that. Well, why should they make $15 an hour? That means I would have, wait a minute. If they make 15 I should make more. It's a win, 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 win. A duh. But that's not how we're trained. We have the crab and the barrel mentality when it comes to wages. That's why people don't talk about wages at work. It's like, it's like a taboo subject to talk about wages. Listen, I was the first person to talk about my wages from the time in which I was working at Denny's making two thirty-three an hour plus tips to when I started at the Y making what was I making six twenty an hour or six twenty-five an hour or whatever it was I was making per hour. To I always talked openly about my wages. I was never I was never ashamed of my wages. Never. It wasn't what it was. Never. The only time I was ever ashamed about what I made, I shouldn't say ashamed. I didn't want to talk about it. Was when I was making six figures, making six figures, talking, speaking in schools uh, with a bunch of poor kids. And the reason I did not want to talk to them about wages is because I don't want, I never want, wanted, the one thing I never wanted them was chasing dollars. I wanted them to chase their goals, their dreams. If, if that makes them wealthy, more power to you. I wanted them to be happy and to change the world. Because these are the difference makers. The people that are going to work every day for a paycheck, even those that are in professions in which they're supposed to change the world, police officers, teachers, even doctors, these people are not happy. And they're not changing the world. They're really wasting everybody's time. On the last show, I mean, I know I'm bouncing all over the place. Uh, on the last show, I talked about, we were talking about the, the, the school to prison pipeline. We talked about how kids as, as young as preschoolers are being expelled from schools, missing out on educational opportunities, then getting behind, and then eventually dropping out and heading into prison. Or they get suspended so much that they're labeled and we automatically assume the worst in them. And then, you know, as they get older, well, this person has been suspended 11 times. We really don't look at what, what they've been suspended for. 
And then when they become teenagers, well, we're just going to call the police, which starts the criminal, starts the criminal record. And in the many conversations that I've had about that, there are people that are, that are, that are saying preschoolers, they should be kicked out. They can't behave. They need to be kicked out. We're not talking about violent young adults or even violent teenagers. We're talking about preschoolers. I'm a grown man. I'll be darned if a preschooler is going to get to the point where I cannot control them. You are in preschool. You're a little kid. And I'll be quite frank, frank with you. I've worked with teenagers. I'll be down if a teenager gets to the point where I can't handle you. I worked in the, the quote-unquote worst neighborhood in Milwaukee, and I never had that problem. Never did I have that problem out of my teens. Never did I have a point. It was to the point where I could not control them. For one, I led with love, and I treated them as if they were my own. And as a result, they respected me, not because they were fearful of me, because there were some teenagers there that were 10,000 my size. I was never fearful of them because I never had to be fearful of them. And they, res- they had great respect for me because I held them to a high standard and I behaved in a way that was a high standard. And great teachers recognize how to do this and they do it well. But, but the greater point that I was, I was trying to make is that we have it's my kid. It's not, it's not my kid, so it's not my problem. That's the, con- that's the mentality that we have. And that is a horrible mentality to have. There's a story I, that I shared. I, I remember the first time sharing it was at, was at a, a graduation that I was invited to speak, speak at. It was a high school graduation. And it was the first time I ever, I'd ever sh- shared this story. And the story is about, it's a, it's a tale of two students. Student A, student B. Student A started school the first day of school in kindergarten. With, with their parents there, hugs and kisses and have a great day. And when school let out, the parents were right there. They were right there waiting to greet the student. How's your day? We love you. We love you. I love you. This kid moved on to first and second grade. This kid played soccer. They played basketball. They played football. The parents were right there and cheering them on and egging them on. And you're getting good grades and way to go. And all the art, all the art projects were hang, hung around the house. And, you know, all the science fairs, they were well attended. And the parents were right there. All right. And then the student goes on to high school. Student B, uh, dad got sent away to prison. And so student B, you know, his mom struggled because mom had to work and try to put food on the table. And so mom was trying to, her best to stretch herself thin to be there for student, student B, but she just couldn't all, all the time. And, you know, student B was angry. No one knew it because student B as a kindergartner was too young to, to articulate, I'm angry because daddy's in prison. I'm angry because mama doesn't spend much time with me. And so student B acts out as a result. Student B starts to get detentions in kindergarten and suspended in the first grade. Student B tries to play sports, but the anger is just swelling up. And now because student B has this this Record student B, people already know, be prepared for student B in middle school. Student B is axed up. Look at his records. Suspension, suspension, detention, detention. So we're not, we're not going to even tolerate student B. Student B is talking in class one time. Student B gets suspended. 
Again, now student B is angry. Now student B is behind in school because, well, all the suspensions, student B misses a lot of school. And so now student B is kind of feeling self-conscious. Again, student B is not old enough to articulate themselves or mature enough to articulate themselves that I'm still struggling with the demons of my dad being in prison and me not seeing enough of my mom and not having that emotional support. And I'm struggling with school. And because I'm behind, instead of me being mature enough to say, hey, I'm behind and mature enough to articulate that, that I'm struggling emotionally and not academically. Now I'm in embarrassed i'm very insecure and so i'm acting out as a result because they're not able to articulate all of that they act out and so now the school's prepared for this we're not going to deal with this student Mm-mm. they suspend student b again and, 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 and the student b makes it to high school and that same zero tolerance attitude that has followed this student b all the way to high school student b is now high school now student b has just decided to give up on high school student b drops out Meanwhile, student A, oh my God, is straight A's and student A is graduating high school and is walking across stage to get their diploma and their parents are in the crowd just tears down their eyes and smiling because they know their student A is going on to this four-year college and now the student A is going on to four-year college and has gotten this degree and this nice fancy job and has bought this really nice car and decides to go get gas one night. Meanwhile, student B Dropped out of high school, needed to earn a living, so decided to sell drugs or commit crimes to survive in our capitalistic society because you got to survive. And, you know, student B, you know, finds himself, you know, needing money, money, because student B got somebody pregnant because, you know, student B was didn't have the guidance that, it, that student B needed and doesn't have the education for which to take care of a kid. So student B decides to go to a life of crime. And student B goes to this gas station one night and just happens to see. Student A. And I end the speech there, and I end it with the simple, what do you think happened? And I leave it to people's imaginations of what they think that happened. And everyone in the crowd, it it was quiet as a pin drop. Because everyone knew what I was talking about. Now, certainly that story was made up, but certainly that story happens every single day in America. It happens every single day. This is what we do. It's not my kid. I don't have to worry about it. That's their kid. There's an old African proverb, or at least that's where it's accredited, that, that says it takes a village to raise a child. Certainly it does take a village. It does. But we're not raising other people's kids anymore. We don't care about their kid. We only care about our kid. And we figure if we move far enough away, we'll never have to worry about those other kids. But there's always a crash course, and we hear about it. We read about it in the papers all the time with that kid that we forgot about, that we didn't care about, that we wrote off at a very early age. We wrote them off. Early age, you wrote them off. And now they're at the gas station with your kid. You, you, see what, you see where I'm getting at? But that comes full circle when I talk about when I talk about America and I talk about conservatives and wanting the fun things. All right? So, I, I, and having conversations about schools. We talk about the the Chinese economy will be the number one economy on the planet. Why? Because they have funded the infrastructure to prepare them to take over the lead. Had World War II never happened, they'd already have the lead. Yes, for those of you that don't know history, that's the reason why America has the, the biggest economy in the globe. World War II. The rest of the developed, country, developed world was torn to hell, and we were producing literally everything. And we got this big head start while the rest of the, country, the world was building. 
Now that the rest of the world has had an opportunity to catch up, they're going to pass us because, see, we are greedy. And that's this. We don't want to pay for education, educational infrastructure to prepare our folks for the next generation. We don't want to do that anymore. We, we stopped doing that. We don't want to do it anymore. We're complaining about that now. Free college is a terrible idea. Even though it'll make us better, it's a terrible idea. The Asia, or excuse me, China recognized that there was going to be a tomorrow. China recognized that, that today is only 24 hours long. As did other countries. And so they funded the infrastructures to prepare the, the next generation to complete to compete globally. See, America has this, this 50 states mentality that if it's not happening out inside these 50 states, we really don't care. We're, we're paying for that. And in having conversations with some of my conservative friends, they feel like oh, we're spending too much on education as we as, as no, we're not. Teachers are still grossly underfunded. There's not a state in the union that I can name that does not have a teacher shortage. Not a singular one. And they don't want to pay for it. But we're going to pay for it in the long run. The more you spend on education, the better education, the less we're having to spend on prisons because the reason that people are in prison is because they don't have the tools for which to survive in regular society. Whether it be mental illness issues or educational issues, they don't have the tools. But many of them are educational. Many of their issues are educational. But we don't, we don't want to fund, and it's not just education. That's one big piece of the pie. They don't want to pay for education and make our schools better. They don't want free college. They don't want to pay for mental health services in America. Or healthcare, but the, but the first two, education and mental health. I want to say ninety nine point nine percent of the prisoners that we have in America have one of those two issues: they have lack of education or mental health issues, because that's where we put our mentally health, mentally ill in America. We have don't have the facilities for them; we put them in prison. That's treatment. It ain't treatment, but that's what we do. Why? Because we don't want to pay to do it the right way. Now, a couple uneducated folks and mentally ill folks and put them in a country with millions and millions of guns. And you get 30,000 plus people dead every year, whether it be suicide or homicide, it is people are killing people. And while we're trying to put bans on Muslim countries because we don't want those people coming here creating havoc, and while we try to build a wall a southern, to our southern border because we don't want those people coming here creating havoc. The pro we have a problem here, people. We have a problem here. 30,000 people. I think, I think statistics say a million and a half people since King was assassinated. A million and a half people. Have been killed by handgun or by gun in America. But we're worried about outside. We're worried about outside threats, really. No, the biggest threats is internal. The biggest threats are internal. That Vegas shooter was born in America. The guy that shot up the the, the nightclub in Orlando, an American. The threats are internal, people. 
Jeffrey Dahmer, American. Although he didn't really shoot anybody. He considered a killer, but he didn't kill anybody. We have an internal problem here. I continue to refer to the scripture about the plank and the speck. America, we have a, a plank, and we're trying to, we're trying to uh, defend ourselves against the speck. Why? Because we don't want to spend what it's going to take. Now, certainly we, we, be, we did that at one point. Certainly the gov government handouts were not a problem when we were, you know, doing the Homestead Act. It wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem doing the Homestead Act. It wasn't a problem with the GI Bill or the creation of the FHA. It wasn't a problem then. It wasn't a problem when we decided to fully fund schools from K through 12. It wasn't a problem then. Now it's a problem. Now it's a major problem. We don't want to pay for it. Many elected officials at the federal level don't care about these problems. I, they, they may get on stump speeches. They may do their stump speeches and pretend that they care. They don't care. They want to get reelected. If you don't believe me, look, look and see what they spend most of their time doing. It's fundraising. At the state level, it's pretty much knee-jerk to everything. Let's knee jerk reaction. Let's have a knee jerk reaction to this particular law, and you know, let's let's make make let's uh, lift the state sanctions or state regulations on red light cameras. Let's install red light camera because that'll that'll reduce accidents. It truly will. It won't, but it, but it will. Knee jerk. And at the local level, they're but way behind. Many local municipalities are way behind the times. And it, it, it's frustrating to, to sit and watch that. It's frustrating to try and navigate that. Because it's not, it's, it's doing nothing to better the country. Absolutely nothing. And I, and, 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 and on my show, I, I, again, I, I try to, hit things from a very truthful perspective. I tried to be middle of the road and call, quote unquote, a spade a spade, for lack of a better term. Because I want people to recognize the problem that we're having here. Two thirds of Americans don't have college education. And again, I recognize that college is not the only way that one can become educated, but certainly it does not hurt. If we're going to make the argument that education is the great equalizer, then why are we not funding education? Why are we not fund, properly funding education? At the very least, fully funding K through 12, at the very least. We have two kinds of schools in America. There's private schools and there's public schools. Why are the private schools so much better? What are they doing that's better than the public schools? I can guarantee you one thing. If you compare a private school budget to the public school budget or the endowment funds, oh, they're vastly different. Compare the facilities, they are vastly different. Two-tier system that we're okay with here in America. And that we make arguments for more cuts and we don't make arguments for increasing these budgets. 
for those of you unfamiliar, states that have lotteries that run that that use to the schools as their reasons for existing. Oh, we've donated so many millions of dollars to the such and such school districts, school school districts. But here's the thing that they don't tell you: for every hundred million dollars, for every million dollars in, in lottery money that they take in and they give to the school system, they backdoor hundred million out of the school system. It's not a net gain for the school system, but they can spend it and tell you, hey, yeah, we we've, we've given the school system a hundred million dollars. But what they won't tell you is that we also cut the school system by a hundred million dollars for a net gain of zero. And for those that do have net gains, it's minimal. It certainly is not the lies that they tell you, because we're not we're not serious about this. We're not serious. As I as we move forward, I'm not comfortable with the fact that here in Orange County, as we bring in some of our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, dude, we're, they're proposing building tent cities. Really, tent cities. Ten cities. I can't think of but maybe two months out of the entire year it would be comfortable in Orlando, Florida to live in a tent. And by comfort, I'm just talking about weather. Maybe two months out of the entire year that could be comfortable. There's no way in hell you live in a tent in June or July for months at a time or weeks at a time. There's just no way. They're not proposing to build affordable housing in, in Orlando. No, they're not. That's not the proposal. The proposal is tents. Seriously, tents. Remember, I said at the local level, they're way behind. They're way behind. They don't get it. They don't understand it. And I'm growing overly frustrated with having these conversations. But I'm going to continue to have them because they're very necessary. Here's a fact in America. Race is still a problem. I don't care how much you don't want to talk about it. It's still a problem. And I don't want to hear that, oh, it's always going to exist. Well, I guess murder is always going to exist. So maybe we should not do anything about murder. Let's just let those people walk. Let's not talk about it. Pow, somebody was shot and killed. Oh, well, I didn't see it because if I don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. That's the Homer Simpson way of dealing with things. If I don't hear it, it's not true. Rape is a problem in America. We have a rape culture in America that we have to deal with. All of these things are internal. Yeah, is it worse than other places? Maybe. I don't know. I care, but I care that it's a problem in America. Don't tell me that only because my kitchen is on fire that the other people's houses are on fire. Therefore, I shouldn't be worried about my kitchen that's on fire. Fam, there's a fire. There's a fire going on. We can deal with both. But let's deal with this one right here because it's in, it's in my house. Let's deal with it right now. Until we get to the point of return to the point of community, which we're getting further and further away, further and further away from community. Until we get back to that, we're not going to progress as a nation. There aren't many people that are willing to put down, put aside their differences and try to find and go out of their way to find commonalities. Most people don't want to do that. Most people nowadays want to know who you voted for so they can find a reason not to associate with you, which is a ridiculous reason not to associate with somebody. It really is a ridiculous reason not to associate with somebody. 
because not everybody is a single single issue voter. Many people vote just based on party and party alone, and that's enough for them. By the fact that, uh, I forget who it was, but conservative uh, pundit Charlie Sykes pointed out that a, a, another conservative, uh, big conservative voice said that voting for Roy Moore is still the better vote because I'd rather have him than a Democrat. You rather have an accused rapist over a Democrat. Think about that now. Think about that for a second. Ponder that for a second. And you're telling me that we don't have a problem with partisan politics? And that, as I've said before, there's some, there's some Democrats that will vote for anybody so long as they're not voting for the Republican. You could have the Democratic candidate being Dahmer running against Mickey Mouse. They're not voting for Mickey. Nope. But in any event, I thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in next week right here. Actually, no, don't tune in next week because next week's a holiday, so I, you're in a rerun. Probably the best of Penny's politics next week here. But I'll return right here on the 28th of November as we talk about the current events in politics or whatever else is on my mind at that time. But tune in tomorrow night for the flagship show. Uh, IU Radio Live with host Monica RW right here on IU News and Talk. But I thank you guys for tuning in. I pray you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, continue to pray for the victims in Texas as well as our Puerto Rican brethren and sisters as well as the many victims of sexual assault. You've been t- listening to Penny's Politics. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.